0: Welcome to Pretty Scam, with your hosts,
1: Caitlin, Cut, Gary, Martin, and Matt Tupper. Hey, Caitlin. Hey. Let's just do it and be legends.
2: Can we? I've been waiting for you to ask me that for, I think, almost two years now. We
1: should just do it and be
2: legends. We should just do it. Let's just do it and be legends. Are we talking about Surprise Chicken or the Firefest? Fest?
1: Both. Okay. Surprise wait. Chicken, the The business coming soon, if you listened to yeah. last week's episode. Yeah. New, it's, new it's plan coming limited
2: from- Limited Patreon content. Pretty
1: scary LLC. Yeah. Launching a new venture, Surprise yeah. Chicken, in 2024. Fucking great. In the meantime-
2: yeah. However, we
1: are revisiting
2: honestly one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. I
1: think it's a lot of people's favorite episode, which is the Fire Festival episode. We were out in front of it. We got on this Fire Festival story really fast. We
2: were so on it.
1: It was great.
2: I and we I still laugh when I hear you say "shark-infested waters" in my head because that's still funny. The sharks don't even come up. The, there's so many things in the original article that you and I read that aren't even—they don't even have time to get to in right. this document. Okay, so to be clear, we're talking about Fire F- Fire Fraud, which is the Netflix documentary. There um, are
1: two. You're you're half right. We're talking about the Netflix one, but that one is called Fire:
2: The Greatest the Party, greatest party, that, party never that, that Never Happened. See, sorry, I'm getting my fire. Uh, best documentaries. Confused.
1: There's another one called yes. Fire Fraud on Hulu, and I've seen both, so I'll, I'll chime in a little bit with the Hulu. I haven't seen. Deets. The,
2: I haven't seen the Hulu one.
1: The Netflix one is better.
2: It's really well done.
1: It's it's amazingly well done for being produced by Fuck Jerry, which we'll get to that later.
2: I don't know enough about that, so maybe you can. So actually, can we start with that because I'm confused about what Fuck Jerry even is. I thought it was just like a hacky Instagram account.
1: It is, but those hacky Instagram accounts made so much money stealing other people's content that they're like media companies now. Like, we, I, I think we all assume the fat Jewish just doesn't have a job anymore. No, he's like out running a fucking media company or some shit. Like, That's so weird. They all flipped this into because they still have that following. Like, we live on the internet, so we know what fuck jerry and the fat jewish and i think there was a third one that was doing a lot of stealing but we know what they're up to but there's so many people who are just like
2: yeah we yeah
1: like just on instagram and they're like oh, fuck jerry that's guy that shares all the great memes i fucking love him
2: yeah and nobody ever gets credit for the good stuff that's on there right yeah so well and honestly it's that is a pretty good launching pad for what this whole thesis they're, they're pretty the integral is about to what
1: happened, and they are the producers of the Netflix documentary.
2: It's crazy. So, first of all, um, if you don't want the documentary spoiled for you, the one on Netflix, don't listen to this. Right. Come back to it. Pause. Pause it. Go watch. Because we are going to talk about it in explicit detail. Very much so. So, if you don't want it, and there are things that I didn't know, and there are a couple anecdotes shared in this one that blew my mind, that They're... you're, you're going to want to Oh man. see.
1: Yeah. You don't <laughs> want us to spoil. No, you don't the water story for example the
2: water story is the only one i'm thinking of but we're going to get to it there's um, some,
1: there's some pretty great quotes that are i i was able to pull out of this but yeah
2: so well, the first thing i want to talk about is what i didn't realize when we first talked about firefest last year or whenever this episode aired i don't remember when. right i didn't realize that fire festival was going to essentially be a coming out party for an app Right, that Ja Rule and Billy were putting together.
1: That I found it was really
2: eye-opening to me.
1: Interesting because the app seemed like a good idea.
2: It seemed like a good idea. Uh, the more I learned about his past business sure. indiscretions, I realized the app was never going to happen either. But right. that's okay. So, so the pitch was Uber for a list talent,
1: booking talent,
2: booking talent, which I think you know in, on paper. Sounds awesome, right? And the person that was going to help make that magic happen was Ja Rule.
1: It's murder because <laughs> you know how Ja Rule is really respected by the music industry still. He's Ja
2: not. Rule He's not. is such an interesting figure in this documentary. Because C- the f- I think the other thing that I want to say before we get into the actual like nitty gritty of the documentary is that the footage. Is all internal footage?
1: Right, they filmed everything. They filmed
2: everything, so I don't know how they got.
1: Yeah, it does. I, I saw this brought up on the internet. It does make Ja Rule seem a little more involved in the day-to-day stuff of yeah. the Fire Festival than he really was, because he was just there at that photo shoot. Well, with, but I've... he also had, but he also turns up in the end at a meeting where he's like yelling at the employees.
2: I've dealt with high-end talent before like that, though, and they all think in those meetings that they're involved, but then you don't hear from them for six months. Right. So the the reason why he seems like he was so integral is because he's part of that first promotional campaign, which was just a giant party, which we're going to talk about. Right. I think that's why he seems so prominent in the documentary. Right. But then as it moves forward and things start falling off the rails, he wasn't in the Bahamas putting like tents together. So right. So he didn't.
1: The uh, s- Just some background on the how-to competing documentaries ended up happening. Oh, yeah, please. Netflix announced airs on january 18th i think huh or is that when it it's the 23rd no, now that's when, that's it, when it came out that's when it dropped but they announced a few weeks before that that this documentary fire the greatest party that never happened was coming to netflix they knew hulu was working on another documentary but didn't realize it was done they thought it was still work in in Production. I love when
2: this stuff happens, coming out later in the year. Volcano and Dante's Peak when they came out at the same time, or (laughs) Armageddon and Deep Impact.
1: Yeah, yeah, same thing. Exactly. We're
2: back. we're back to that. Or like Capote. Remember Capote came out, and there was another biopic, and the same thing happened with Marilyn Monroe. There were two Marilyn Monroe movies that came out at once. Oh, also. really? Yeah,
1: yeah. And so Netflix or Hulu just decides to surprise release their version like a fucking Beyonce album three days before the Netflix version, and the Netflix was unhappy with it. Hulu was like, "I think it's great for both of us." It is. Yeah, it is because I still watched the Netflix There's one no first. No box office here. And there. I trust Netflix with documentaries more than I trust Hulu.
2: Um. Yes.
1: And I think that still holds having seen the hulu one it's It's better, or i mean the the Netflix one is better, but the Hulu one is worth watching because they interview billy mcfarlane you, you yeah. get to, you don't get to hear his him try to answer questions. There's one the missing box that comes up in the Hulu thing where they're like, Whoa. he's like we had houses for people, but the we, box went missing we had keys, and we just lost the box. And it's like, no, that probably didn't happen. No,
2: you don't lose a a box of houses. Yeah, <laughs> and it's not a. That's not a thing that's ever happened.
1: the The Hulu one, like, there's things to like and hate about both. The Hulu one is a little bit funnier, kind of, and but the Netflix documentary, I think, gets the residents' story a little better. Like all the people who were like really at the bottom of this production. Yeah. So what
2: it sounds like the you get like more of like the boots-on-the-ground perspective with Hulu, right. whereas with Netflix, you get more of the more Adam McKay kind of big, right. sh- big short version of it.
1: Right. With the, And the Netflix one has the water story. That's the... Sorry. That's the kicker.
2: There's no way that could be in two documentaries. That doesn't
1: come up in Hulu, and they lose We're on gonna that. We're going to get to the water story, we guys. We sure will.
2: Just uh, hang in there.
1: And the I guess if there's anything to hate about either of them, it's the two people who are profiting from it, which is... Billy McFarland, he got paid the rumor is anywhere from a hundred thousand to two hundred and fifty thousand to do this interview. So he gets to profit off this story once again, whereas there's still people who are like firing up GoFundMe's to get paid. And on the Netflix side, it's the fuck Jerry team who kept promoting this thing even after they the got end. there.
2: Yeah, I I don't really care about that. Yeah. I, mean, I know, I don't care about that. I'm bothered about paying Billy McFarlane. That bothers me.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: The the fuck Jerry people like the the I it sounds like they owned the footage for right. this documentary. So I don't see how we get this documentary without that.
1: Right. I think the only the only thing it's kinda like How Al Jazeera is really great, but they're never going to report on bad things Qatar does because they're owned by the Qatari government. Literally like there's there's a there's one aspect of this in the Netflix one that gets glossed over, which is how long fuck Jerry carried on promoting this when they knew like you at least stop when you realize people are coming. But, because they were the first one, like the first one of the first people to arrive.
2: But I don't think anybody comes out of this documentary looking good. Oh if no! If you really think about it, I don't even no. think they don't. So I, I don't really. No. I, and honestly, like, what's the what's going to be the recourse? Like, we unfollow them on Instagram. Right. Like, they, well, there we, are
1: there are a couple people. Like, there's one guy we call out specifically in the notes here who I think was like, yeah, the hero of the like, not the hero, but definitely the most sympathetic character. Yeah. Which was Mark. Was his name Mark Weinberg?
2: Weinstein or Weinstein. He was. Yeah, I have some things about that though. Yeah, I, he's a, he's one that I don't feel sorry for at all. Uh, he tried to warn him at least. Warren. He tried to warn the people internally. He didn't try to warn right. anybody that was actually going to be in jeopardy. But he bre-
1: and I don't even have this in the notes. He brings up though that when he took this job, they gave him thirty percent of what he was going to be paid, and then just like. Hung the other 70% over him, so he didn't want to rock the boat too much.
2: I think, I mean, we can get to that. I have stuff to I say. I mean, ultimately, like, the,
1: the how, bad how you, people how here are the people at the top. How
2: you don't walk away from that for any amount of money makes no sense to me.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. I'm
2: sorry. Like, But that's, I,
1: that's how I feel about Fuck Jerry. I feel like once yeah. they landed and were like, we can't even get a car to go to the campground, they should have been like, this is a disaster, I just don't, don't think, come.
2: I don't think these people are used to failure. Right. I don't think they ever. I don't think if you got on that island, there's still no way you could have thought that that's what you were walking into. Right. That's just not possible in their experience as a human being.
1: Yeah. And the documentary is worth watching just to see that footage of people first showing up. Like, yeah. it looks like a fucking war zone.
2: It really looks like it a is, refugee camp. It does. Because that's what it was. It
1: was, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah.
2: Okay. So we are got... Let's go to the beginning. We're so, at the
1: beginning of the Netflix documentary. It starts at a web summit.
2: Starts at a web summit where they unlock this or announce this concept of this Uber for A-list talent. Right. And I feel like anybody who's been part of a startup, and I have, and I know you have, uh, and I am positive that many people who listen to this podcast know this experience. You right. know, you when you're in a startup, there is this unspoken thing where – The beginning of it is all bullshit. And everybody knows that. Everybody knows you don't have half of the things you're saying you have. Right. And you get pulled into meetings you shouldn't be pulled into. And that first interview at that Web Summit is the perfect portrait of what that looks like. Oh, for sure. Because they have the 22-year-old guy who later reveals that he's never booked anybody in his life. Talking with great authority on stage yeah. about you know the the complications of booking talent,
1: right? And he goes on to book the talent for the fire festival,
2: yeah. Uh, and then you have Jaw Rule. They're talking about something that doesn't exist yet, right? And it, I mean, there's that one guy who kind of looks like the guy from Game of Thrones. I can't remember his name. Um, he's got the beard. You don't remember that guy's name? I don't remember that guy's name.
1: That guy's name, and they just tell us this without elaborating any further, is in David. M D A V. There's no apostrophe after the M. It's just M D A V. I might have been so
2: angry at that that I ignored it. I, I remember it
1: seeing out. that and being like, "How? How do you pronounce that?" There's a writer David? for the the Hill. I believe it's the Hill because I I like reference her stories a lot in the articles I research. Her or him first name Morgan, last name Gestalter. G S T A L T E R. I think that's
2: Gestalter. I think oh. that's what that sounds like.
1: Okay, but I still need some accent marks or something, like a fucking right. yeah. hyphen. The or
2: maybe something phonetically underneath. Yeah,
1: the little emoji thing that sure. like fucking moves it ar- its arms. <laughs> but something in the middle of M Just and G. Just a little help here. Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, so, David. 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 Uh, in his, I don't even want to say defense. He is actually working on an app at that time.
1: Right. The people so, who worked on the app are mostly blameless in
2: this. I feel sorry for them.
1: Yes. Because Absolutely. if
2: you've ever been taken advantage of in a, st- in a startup, that's the experience exactly. Right. The people planning the event, I don't have I don't have any sympathy for. But when you're in a startup and you know you're being kept in the dark and you're watch, you can like it's like it's like being in a in a bunker. And there's a huge war going outside. And you're like, are we fucked? Like, I don't know. And everyone's like, I don't know. Just keep heating up the baked beans. Let's just see what happens. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I feel really sorry for them. So, David is leading this, like... The app
1: side. The app side. And they're being told nothing about the fire Festival.
2: No, and they're working around the clock, just like you do with a startup, and listening to Billy McFarlane just spin bullshit to them. Yeah. So, the first thing that jumps out to me as as a person with a lot of event planning experience, is that at five months, they still had nothing locked in. Right. So...
1: we Right in the beginning, we meet Andy King.
2: At five months before the event.
1: Who is the king of crazy fire festival stories. But again, we keep teasing it. We'll get to Andy King's story. But if you've seen it, you already know. But we'll just all bask in the moment together.
2: Andy King is the most interesting person in the whole documentary.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Uh, so he knows Billy... Because he had helped Billy with his other weird shell game credit card thing called Magnesis. Magnesis. Yeah. And Magnesis was a credit card that young, basically yuppies in New York were signing right. up for that would also give them like a social circle.
1: And it wasn't, If I, I think this might come from the Hulu documentary, but it wasn't even that it was a credit card. It was like- A membership. An extra thing that like piggybacks onto your debit or credit card where you get all these discounts and membership things.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's almost like, no, it's like its own rewards right. account, basically.
1: And it was for high end, like it was pitched as this like luxury thing. They had a clubhouse you could go hang out at in the West Village. Shoot me. And Andy King knows him from planning events around Magnesis.
2: Yeah. And in not, not Billy's defense, but in, Interestingly enough, these events were successful. Right. And people enjoyed going there, and for some reason, Billy focused—well, I'm not going to say for some reason. I find it interesting that he focuses on Ja Rule. Because yeah. he spins this tale of how difficult it is to get jaw rule. But I really feel like you and I could get jaw rule if we wanted to.
1: Yeah, and he didn't even make it sound that hard. He said I met one guy who asked for five hundred dollars and he introduced me to another guy who asked for a thousand and then I was able to book jaw rule. And it's like that's not that hard.
2: That's fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. I can math. Yeah. Yeah, I did it.
1: You should pay those people for but putting you in the right direction.
2: It made me wonder if he, and this is the story, by the way, that he tells at this web summit. And when I'm listening to this story, I can't help but wonder if he uses the kind of the his energy behind that story as a way to continuously manipulate Ja Rule. Because yeah. I think it plays into his ego in a way that clearly Ja Rule wants. Oh, for sure. Like, no question.
1: Yeah, Ja Rule is still kind of defending Everything that happened. And he does like as it reaches the end of the documentary, he does too. So Ja Rule really bought into this. Like
2: Oh yeah. He was a uh, believer. He was, like everybody involved, part of the scam. Right. Which I mean, it's interesting because when the when we first talked about this event, I looked at it as like just a bad it was just badly done. Right. But the this documentary does a good job of kind of really extrapolating this guy's... He's a scam artist. He's a scam artist. And in the end, it's like, oh my God.
1: Yeah. Oh, the, uh, the twist he's at the this end. this
2: man. There is no question that he's a criminal.
1: He is a criminal,
2: yeah, possibly... This is, this is a true crime documentary, and, and and it's the last part of it that really seals it.
1: And he's possibly the type of criminal that you're not going to be able to fix. Not like, pu- that pu- last n- crime he pulls, it's like, it's, this guy is... No, he's pathological. Irredeemable. Yeah. Like, he's done.
2: Anyway, so but I, I want to talk about him for a second, because as I... I watched the documentary, I, like, three times. Yeah. And something started to really pop out to me. Billy McFarlane has a true animosity for, I think, for middle-class people. Right. Even though he clearly is a middle... Like, he hates where he came from.
1: Oh, definitely. And,
2: yeah. you know... Between mimesis or whatever or m-
1: magnesis, magnesis which he even admits in the Hulu documentary, he spelled wrong.
2: Yeah, great. It's
1: like mag. It, it's actually spelled magnesis.
2: Yep. Whoops. <laughs> um Between that and Fryfest or Jesus, call <laughs> it, it again, Firefest, he really is targeting like Middle America schmoes that he wants to take advantage oh, yeah. of, like. And it's so obvious to me that he has so much hatred. But what is fascinating is his team, then, is comprised of these clearly upper-class twit people that right. have been, been handed everything in their whole life. They've never done anything, like, built anything themselves. It's obvious that they've never built anything themselves. And Billy definitely has. Is it a scam? Absolutely. But he's actually built something before. Right.
1: Right. So he's
2: able to manipulate all of these people, which I found really interesting.
1: And I think the way he targets Middle America is a really good example of how out of touch he is with how Middle America works. Because Middle America can't, Afford to go to the fucking fire festival. Like, there's a scene where Ja, it's, I have it in the notes somewhere. It's one of my favorite scenes where Ja Rule and Billy are interacting with these models at this bonfire, and Ja Rule is like, Get in the water. And this model's like, With no. you? Yeah. No, I'm not gonna get in the fucking know, water. Are it. you crazy? Yeah. And Billy starts going, We're trying to sell a dream to the average American loser. Mm-hmm. That this could be you, and it's like you're you're shooting for the wrong demo. You're just gonna get other rich sticks like you showing up. Like you're not. And you're even... really screwed. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it's it's hard to watch at some points. Just the decisions that get made, and it's like
2: I have more anger about the people around him than I even do with Billy because Billy's a pathological criminal. Like right, he's, he's and here's the thing. It's not like Bernie Madoff. Okay, where. You weren't close enough. These people weren't close enough to what Bernie was doing day in, day out to even really understand the ways that they were getting scammed. There's no way. I mean, he had a circle of people around him that were also criminals that, of course, I hate as well. Right. But there's a point in this festival where everybody is to blame. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They all saw what was going on. Like, even
1: even the guy we're going to talk about in a bit that we brought up earlier, Mark, the music festival, uh, yeah. Consultant, he sends all these like warnings about how this isn't going to work, but he still flies down there. Exactly. Like, you can't
2: s- say no. Stayed he can't home. say no. Yeah. Um, and it, it really is a documentary about people's obsession with lifestyle. Oh, for sure. It's fascinating in that way. Yeah. Because, okay, so let's talk about how it gets launched. Because I think it it just...
1: We should go... You you started talking about Andy King and, like, the time frame needed. And I think that's important to point out that he brings up, you know, to plan a music festival, you need, like, six to eight months. We had six weeks. They started 45 days out to plan a music festival in the fucking Bahamas on... Pablo Escobar's Private Island. I love this part. Yeah. He promotes this thing. Like, every promotion he saw for it, like, the first words were-
2: Before we even get into the promotion, we have to talk about, it's like a big part of the documentary, how they got the promotional material, which I feel is, like, the most important thing. Because somehow, they managed to harangue, like, 10 of the biggest supermodels in the world-
1: Absolute biggest.
2: To come for, it's like 60 people to come yeah. to the Bahamas and literally just film them and shoot them the whole time. And that is where they got all of their content to promote for Firefest, which I think again is really smart.
1: It was re- like their their marketing strategy was great. Like
2: had they been planning an event in the background it right. would've been perfect.
1: If they if they thought beyond that, it yeah. might have been amazing. But yeah, they do this big photo shoot that ends up being all of the promotional material that anyone who attends the Fire Festival ever sees.
2: Yeah, and it's like Bella Hadid. It's like Bella
1: Hadid, fucking uh, Haley Baldwin, who is yeah. now Haley Bieber. Uh, yeah, like the biggest fucking.
2: I don't pay attention to models. They had Kylie Jenner. Well, they get her right, right to do. Okay, so all of these models start posting from. So it's really smart. They they get the models to the island. They start doing they just start partying for 10 days and they're documenting they're documenting the party the whole time. Meanwhile, these models right. are posting to Instagram uh, the photos that they're being freely given, which is a huge deal for models. Like that's right. if you give them free photos from freaking the Bahamas, like they'll yeah. ta- that's that's fine. Yeah. So they go, they're posting and it starts this whole buzz about Firefest.
1: Right. And can I pull out a, a couple choice quotes yes, please do. that I, I found around this time when all of this? Uh, well, one thing I want to mention about Pablo Escobar's former island. I, I love this detail. They The owners were very explicit when they were trying to sell yes. this island to Billy that at no point in the promotion are you to say this is pablo escobar's island and immediately
2: it's like the first thing. the
1: first thing is on pablo escobar's former island it was
2: one of the first things we brought up
1: right and that's one of the first mistakes he makes because then they get kicked off the island and they have to go somewhere else
2: which in hindsight you and i didn't know that it wasn't on pablo escobar's island at the end of the day
1: right because what they were doing is the the images they started showing people after they got kicked off that island was the area where the festival finally happened but there's a sandals resort attached to it and they just photoshopped that out and made people think they were coming to an island
2: and they didn't know they were so close to sandals
1: yeah like they could, could have just have stayed just at Sand- just stayed but we'll get to why they <laughs> couldn't yeah, stay no, you're at right. Sandals.
2: You're right you're right okay my bad god my bad. what a
1: fucking nightmare but some of the quotes that I found in this, the magic bird.
2: That's you and me from now on. We are the magic bird. You and I are magic bird. I have got, okay, I, I perked up. I have it in my notes too. I saw magic bird and I was like, the magic that, bird. going to be us forever.
1: And if you're at home wondering what that is, sure. That is a phrase Ja Rule and Billy McFarland came coined. up with.
2: Coined. Ja, ja Rule says the phrase that we coined. <laughs> what a fucking tool.
1: And it refers to how Magic Johnson and Larry Bird changed the NBA in the 70s, which they did. They 70s did. 70s and 80s.
2: Not unlike the way Adam and I have changed podcasting. Podcasting. Uh, clearly. Or
1: how Billy and Ja changed music oh, festivals. Oh, they did. With their Magic Bird.
2: Yep. So that's the, their combo. That's my fa- That's just one of my favorite things. Yeah. One of the most humiliating parts, too, was during this like party time, there's this portion where Billy is clearly beginning this like staged conversation about we've run into he's we've run into oh a problem. yeah you can tell that they thought that this footage was going to be used to create a different kind of documentary right like that they had probably filmed a lot of fake conversations together yeah and his marketing manager
1: Grant Margolin very who is a maniac
2: he reminds me he was effeminate but not not in a homosexual way in an academic way. It's a very specific yeah. thing. It's that Ivy League effeminate thing. There's a lot of guys in this documentary that have that Ivy League thing going on, which right. is why I know they're all monsters. Children. Um children monsters. Um this guy, he's talking to him and you could tell Billy's like just trying to start the take and he's like, "So, we ran across a problem." And then what's his face goes, "No, no, no, stop, start over, start over." And he's like, "Look at me when you say it." Yeah. And then Billy's like, "So we ran across a problem. No, no, start start over." <laughs> and you just want to punch this guy. Like, can yeah. you imagine having to be stuck on an island with this guy?
1: And he was apparently Even
2: if Fest went well. I would hate my yeah. weekend if I was stuck with that guy.
1: And he ends up being one of the 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 like if this was if we were talking Nazis, he's like number two. Like yeah. he was there while Berlin was burning.
2: Yeah, he's uh, to shoot
1: Hitler in the head. Allegedly,
2: he's a uh, what's his name in uh, Wolf of Wall Street? Not Leonardo DiCaprio.
1: Jonah he's,
2: Jonah. he's the Hill. Jonah Hill in yeah. this.
1: And another moment that we see in this, I think this came up in the first episode, the pigs. There's the pig island where they weren't supposed to film, and they're having this back and forth. And Ja Rule finally says, real talk, we're spending a lot of money. We want to go see the pigs. We go see the fucking pigs. And they went and saw the pigs.
2: Yeah, the models wanted to see the pigs. Right. That's pigs, what
1: Pigs that will eat you. Under the right circumstances. they're like fucking
2: around with these pigs on the beach. Yeah. I don't want to be- But when they were doing the little swims.
1: Very cute. Little pig
2: swimming. That's pretty cute. Little
1: pig swims.
2: I don't think I want to be around a wild pig, though.
1: No, 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 no. no. (laughs) Definitely (laughs) not.
2: Definitely not a situation. Especially not
1: in the water. They're just gonna shit in that water. And, like,
2: it's such a scary prospect that something that low to the ground would run at you. Like, your shins.
1: Yeah. Like, that's
2: not good. It's gonna, it doesn't. Pigs pigs bite. They've got, like, crazy teeth.
1: It doesn't observe NFL rules. It will take your knee out if it needs to.
2: Hashtag CTE.
1: Yeah. Uh. (laughs) This is also around the time where the famous quote from the first episode here's to living like movie stars,
2: partying like like rock rock stars, and Billy. Fucking like porn stars. Woo! That was a, I want to say a perfect reenactment on my part of what happened to the document.
1: Yes, it's he's very so awkward. Far
2: off camera, <laughs> and like
1: he's like walking past, like what? Huh? Oh. And
2: here's the thing: I don't understand. Why does everyone talk about how charismatic he is? He's because really not. Everything I saw about this guy was a. He's a tool.
1: I feel like it's more. Someone told me this guy's really charismatic. And really trustworthy and now no, I'm talking smart, to him.
2: The smart uh Asian girl who's part of the app development, development. She she's said great. he was charming. I know she's one of my favorite parts of the documentary. Yeah. She's like this great baseline that just is like the perfect articulation of the annoyed employee throughout the entire documentary. Right. Like every time they cut back to her, she's like, and then we didn't hear about this, and then the money was gone, and then I just yeah. stopped getting paid, and then which we'll get to. Yeah. Um this- I think she ended up being that source for the article that we used.
1: Oh, that wouldn't surprise me.
2: I think that was her.
1: Yeah. This is possibly my favorite Ja Rule quote of the whole thing because it comes at a point where he's talking about all of these social media influencers that they have paid thousands and thousands of dollars to. To post on Instagram
2: thousands and thousands. thousands
1: So much money. It's
2: important because what he says next.
1: It's free press. You can't pay for that kind of press. You
2: paid for it. You really paid for it. You paid for it with money. Yeah. To
1: people who like you could just put an ad somewhere. It's the exact same thing.
2: Nope. I also like when Grant is upset that there that the models aren't tagging. Yeah, and he's holding two iPhones. <laughs> so I mean, like, here is what I don't understand: at what point, like, if if Instagram's feed is the is fucked up the way it is, like, is there some value in seeing two separate feeds on two separate phones?
1: Uh, yeah, I can't imagine. Maybe he was on his personal feed.
2: Yeah, like f- I don't know. Still like yeah,
1: liking other Instagram models. Pics, yeah, trying to get him to come to Firefest. As
2: much as we're making fun of this. What happens next?
1: The launch date happens.
2: Yeah, it definitely fucking happened. December
1: 12th, 2016, Gosh. just seven days earlier, could have coincided with the uh, attacks on Pearl Harbor. Yeah, well. that's You could have got that hashtag going.
2: Yeah, hashtag, hashtag Pearl Harbor.
1: <laughs> OG Firefest. Oh, God.
2: Because <laughs> all those ships got Hashtag fire. Kamikaze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, What's important about this is the only real things that they accomplish are are, are is this marketing campaign the, the marketing and campaign specifically the launch date
1: the marketing campaign is amazing
2: yes and they managed to convince over two hundred and fifty prominent Instagram influencers right presumably through the help of fuck Jerry which I think is really
1: I'm sure yeah yeah
2: to post a burnt orange tile yes they all do this in solidarity and then it says you know uh, fire fest 20 well, I, i'm lost in time but basically they all yeah. do this at once kind of saying we're going to be there
1: and people are like oh is this a new cloverfield what movie is, what's what, happening
2: is this a new? <laughs> is kendall jenner gonna be in a cloverfield movie that's
1: fucking cool i'd watch the shit out of that
2: i would watch that so hard uh and yeah. it works
1: it works really well they sell 95 percent of their tickets within 48 hours
2: the thing that sucks is that no one can do this again i know like it worked like if you thought it out like there's like jazz
1: fests that happen in jamaica like this can't be that hard to pull off no like just make it a little less luxury maybe i don't know i just
2: mean the campaign itself no one's gonna be able to do that again which sucks because it worked
1: yeah, it was a brilliant yeah. campaign. Yeah. They did really well that way. And
2: they sold 95% of their tickets.
1: So many tickets.
2: Which is unheard of for event planning, right. by the way. Like Especially
1: a destination like that. And with the tickets being, they were super expensive. Well, like- because
2: what the what the marketing was implying is that, and, and this is the thing that he figured out, even with his dumb credit card scheme, people will pay anything for access. Right. Right and they have never heard the important quote i don't want to be part of a club that wants me as a member unfortunately yeah because that to me is how i run it all like i've avoided so many bad circumstances when i'm like well if i can pay for it it's probably not yeah like i get i constantly get hit up for this this club called the ivy and it's the same thing it's like oh you'll be like a networker and we're going to invite you to seminars and things like this is it
1: in downtown la yep I did. I went to a poetry reading there Mm. for a publication I used to write for that you won't believe this never paid me. Weird. And the cool thing about the Ivy uh, for one thing, it looks like where CIA agents meet to discuss their plans. What a relief. It's a fascinating room to be in. But they did the they have a bank vault like four levels underneath downtown LA. And uh, that's where this fucking poetry reading was. And the room is really cool, but like, they try to really push that the membership secrecy vibe. And they were like, uh, here's a basket. Put your phones in it. And I was like, I'm not fucking putting. What are you going to do? Throw me out of a poetry reading? Oh, no.
2: Yeah, we're already four floors beneath yeah. the earth.
1: Yeah, it's fine. You
2: know we're in a vault, right? Yeah. I'm not getting reception. What's the problem?
1: So Mark Weinstein, he is the music festival consultant that we uh, mentioned earlier.
2: Yeah. We also find out later he was supposed to be the yoga coach.
1: Yes. In one of the craziest moments from this documentary. And this, like, no matter your opinion on him, he's absolutely one of the most abused employees.
2: Hands down. During this. And very sweet. You can tell he's a really sweet guy. Yeah.
1: And his, like, pain just radiates from this guy when he's talking about what happened. He's, they hire him as a music festival consultant. And everyone, including him right away, realizes this is not going to work. We have 6 weeks yeah. to figure all this out. There's one guy I didn't get his name down, but he has a brilliant idea to just anchor a cruise ship offshore.
2: I love this guy, the Swedish guy. Yeah. Okay, so let me talk about him. Please. He is he is exactly what you want a Swedish guy to look like. He's wearing like a very nautical wool sweater. As a very, very
1: Swedish wife,
2: very Swedish wife, who can fit compactly on top of him in a chair, which just is plop very down on him weird, in a wicker chair. It's a very weird shot. Sweden's
1: um, a weird place. He
2: also taught himself how to fly.
1: Taught himself
2: because, and I quote, Microsoft allows you to use flight simulators.
1: <laughs> Remember that guy not too long ago that stole a plane? Yeah, and was like, I've seen, I've you played some not, video games. Should I'm not fly.
2: be able in a post nine eleven society. You should not just be able to teach yourself how to fly yeah, a plane. You shouldn't like
1: be that. able to learn to fly on Steam.
2: No, <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, um, despite the fact that this man is a self-taught pilot, uh, he is a civil engineer, right? And there's this scene where he's got like the map of the island uh, in some. It looks like a tiki bar with Jaw Rule and Billy. Billy promptly spills. Beer all over the map. Yes. <laughs> and he's trying to explain to both of them that we're going to have to. This is where the toilets are going. Remember toilets? People need toilets. Right. We're going to have to buy thousands of toilets. And they just keep laughing. Yeah. Like they're not thinking about people having to use the toilet.
1: Yeah. And he he brings up what I still think would have been a great plan. Yeah. Uh, Just have a cruise ship offshore and take people back and forth. Yeah, By and, smaller and he's boats. got all this
2: momentum because he's like, I've solved this. And he's like, now the only thing we have to worry about is getting people on and off the dinghies. And he starts laughing.
1: And then that Grant guy says, oh, we're not doing that anymore. Everyone's going to be on the island.
2: But what's shitty about it is he says it to him like he's an idiot. Yeah. That's what bothered me. I was like, fuck, are you kidding me?
1: Which I, that's a thing I used to hate from working day jobs. And even a lot of the writing jobs that I had that were like full-time jobs where you'd find some find out something's happening and it would have like have been decided 3 days ago and they're like oh yeah didn't anyone tell you meanwhile you've like, wasted all oh, the time okay perfect yeah and so this guy basically complains too hard and they're like they all right, fire him and you're fired yeah. yeah and but what oh but one of the things i forgot we brought up his wife when he hears that everyone's going to sleep on the island he's, he's like he's a real champ he's like well i know how we're going to find out if that's a good idea me and my wife are going to spend a night in a tent on the island and he was like, it's unbearable. It's so hot. There's so many mosquitoes. There's so much noise.
2: Have you ever been in a tent without any shade? No. It's the worst.
1: I can imagine, yeah. It's
2: really bad.
1: Like, it would get so fucking hot in there. Yeah,
2: and it's, it's, you can't, like, because you can't keep the bugs out. You have to, like, choose. You can either bake to death or be eaten alive by mosquitoes. Yeah. Because you have to either open things to let a breeze way through or not. Not great, Bob.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it, it was a very bad plan. Yeah. And it gets worse and it gets found out. People find out that it's a bad plan. Um
2: this is when Andy King comes back on the scene. Yeah. So Andy King, how do I First of all, I think Andy King was partly in love with him. Definitely. It's the only thing I can
1: I definitely believe that.
2: And I would even wonder if they had a relationship. I don't I don't know. Yeah, Because his level of investment with Billy is not logical. Oh, no. And the way he talks about Billy, he's like, I've known Billy since he was about 20 years old. And I thought, uh-huh.
1: Yeah, where did you meet him on Craigslist? or How did
2: we meet Billy? Right. And he said, and this kid is an incredible entrepreneur. And he kept saying that. Yeah. And he still says it.
1: One of the first things he says in the documentary, he's talking about how much chaos it was. And he goes... And now I just hope Billy doesn't go to prison for it.
2: Why? Like Billy deserves prison! Billy should be in prison. He should absolutely
1: be in prison. So yeah, Andy King comes back. They, they go through the whole thing with the island and them getting kicked off the island. So now the location becomes Exuma Point or Eczema Point. I don't know. That sounds very unpleasant.
2: Exuma Point sounds like a medication.
1: Yeah, yeah. They both... It it sounds, Eczema. Sounds horrifying. <laughs> And so they show up on this, this part of the island and they start telling people, we're going to do this every year for five years. You're all going to get contracts. So immediately people start working very hard on behalf of the fire Festival, despite the fact, and this came up the first episode, they booked this fucking thing the same <laughs> weekend as the one event only that happens in... This area of the Bahamas every year. I
2: feel like only is more important than the only. One. Yes.
1: <laughs> like, the only fucking thing they ever have to do on a weekend, they book the Fire Festival that weekend. It's called the National Regatta.
2: I love that it's a regatta.
1: And they were like, man, the population doubles. All the fucking hotels are booked like months in advance. So
2: they don't, but they don't move it. No. <laughs> they don't move it. Like that alone should have been the reason to move it. And that might have fixed everything. No, but... It would have fixed
1: the housing because all the hotels are free, then you just... Because that's what this maniac would do, is he would promise people these things if they signed up for his whatever the fuck, and then he would start another business and use the money he was loaned to start that business to buy all the things he promised people before.
2: Yeah, Yeah. he's a a very systematic scam artist.
1: Yeah. And so they realized pretty early that we're not going to have enough room for people to live... And old Mark Weinstein starts telling them to cancel, like cut the influencers because they're not paying us. All of them were promised houses. Right. Two hundred and fifty influencers, all promised houses on National Regatta weekend. And then they had also sold all these housing packages. And this is I fucking oh, this is the first crazy Billy McFarlane quote as it pertains to Mark Weinstein. This
2: is my you and I our hearts are the same.
1: Yeah. This is this I love is I you the, so much. This is this is like my saying any, for the year.
2: Any time we hit a problem going forward, this is what I'm going to say to you. Th-
1: this is what we say. This is what Billy McFarland said to Mark Weinstein. We're not a problems-focused group. No. We're a solutions-oriented group.
2: Mic drop. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I had a
1: manager say that to me. At, I was
2: just about to say, it is the most day job thing.
1: But the manager who said it to me was joking because I was trying to <laughs> vacuum. I was working at a furniture store. <laughs> And he asked me to vacuum, and at one point I'm realizing nothing's getting picked up. Yeah. And I go over to him, and I was like, there's a gigantic hole in the hose here. We have to replace this. And he goes, I don't like problems. I like solutions. Figure it out. <laughs> and he was being funny. Billy McFarland. absolutely not.
2: There's nothing. There are few things that make a person feel as hopeless as bringing a legitimate concern to a boss and have them respond in that way. Oh, yeah. It's a very specific feeling of disappointment. It's
1: disheartening.
2: It's, yeah. It's demoralizing all the Ds. Yeah. It, honestly, it. we're not a problems-focused group. <laughs> we are a solutions-oriented group. It yes. reminded me of that scene in Adam's Family Values when Joan Cusack is losing it in the attic when she's about to kill everybody. And uh-huh. she goes, I wanted malibu barbie (laughs) that's what that sounds like to me
1: uh so at this point we meet calvin
2: wells who is
1: the whistleblower
2: (sighs) calvin has a chip on his shoulder he he tried he's an angry rich boy he got these people all suck i just i just it's really important for me to say that out loud
1: and calvin wells knew of billy mcfarland because of magnesis And he had looked into Magnesis, and there were all these crazy, like, terrible complaints. People, like, didn't get what they were promised. Yeah. So he's like, okay, this feels like another scam. Here we go. So he calls some of the bands that have been booked because he knows their agents. And they're like, did you get the money yet? And they're like, weird, you should ask. We have not been paid yet. And he's like, this is two weeks away. This is a fucking scam. He's the one who finds that Eczema Point, like, they've been Photoshopping the sandals out. So he starts up this website called At Fire Fraud and assumes that the once- The Twitter he... account. Right, Twitter the account. The
2: famous Twitter account.
1: Yes, which that that came up in the first episode. At that time, I don't think anyone even knew who was behind it.
2: No, I didn't know until I watched this.
1: Yeah, and no one cares. Nope. There's no, like, first he's just tweeting his suspicions. So then he flies down there and gets video of these tents, which turn out to be- leftover FEMA tents from Hurricane Matthew. And he starts posting that. And even then people are like, whatever, man. Firefest Fest 2017.
2: I'm going to go there. I need to be a legend. Let's, Let's just, just do, do it, do it, it be, legends. be legends. Yeah. Just chill, man.
1: I can't believe that didn't, like, we need to make a third Firefest Fest documentary, I think.
2: Yeah, it's really quick. It's just us <laughs> <laughs> in a FEMA tent. Yes. Presented with us a mountain of problems. <laughs> To which we look at each other and we say, we are not a problems-oriented group. We are a solutions-oriented Correct. Group. And then you say-
1: Let's just do it and be legends. And that's the end. The end. The end. We just filmed it. Yeah. I mean, we're not filming, but-
2: No, but I mean like- Paint
1: a visual picture in your mind. Can that
2: just be our pitch? Yeah, To I think so. HBO? Hulu would pick us up. Definitely. Amazon is looking for content right now.
1: Oh, hell yeah. We'll sell it to Amazon.
2: <laughs> uh- <laughs> We'll take all of that money, we'll move it over to Surprise Chicken.
1: (laughs) And when people finally get their chicken 18 months later, they'll be so surprised.
2: Well, the surprise is not everybody gets chicken.
1: (laughs) There's that too.
2: Also, they're live chickens. (laughs) Everybody's purchasing livestock. Surprise!
1: And they're being mailed to you. Be on the lookout for it.
2: Yeah, if you get a box with a bunch of holes punched in the top.
1: (laughs) So, the people go like that after this guy shows up. What one thing he notices is just the sheer amount of workers going into building the infrastructure you need to house and all I, these. I people. gotta say,
2: it's not a good look because it's all black people.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: like it's not, and they're in horrible conditions.
1: Did you see that?
2: <laughs> I wish you guys could have seen the face out of just me.
1: I don't know <laughs> who it was, but it was some politician on the left, and he tweeted. Never before in American history has it been allowed to make people work with no pay. This government shutdown is a travesty. And people are like, hey, slavery. Slavery was also a time in American history when...
2: Definitely American history. Yeah.
1: It's a big oversight when you're sending out, when you're hitting the tweets.
2: Yeah. When was the last time you checked that $5 bill? (laughs) Exactly. That's going to lead you to where you need to be.
1: And yeah, that like whether anyone likes it or not, that does make this an even worse look. It would be one thing if they were trying to throw this in fucking apartheid era South Africa and just had white people building everything. Cool. We'd be like, yeah, fuck those racists. But no, they go to the Bahamas. They
2: take advantage of people that are not.
1: They're living in the Bahamas, it's not their vacationing it's there. It's their house. Right. And this is a quote from Marianne Roll, who owns a restaurant bar in Eczema Point.
2: Which, if you go to the Fuck Jerry Instagram account, her GoFundMe is there. Like, at the top.
1: Oh, yeah. That's that's good of them. It is least. good of them, because she's and, raised,
2: like, all of her money back. Yeah,
1: she's close to 200000
2: Yeah, now. as she should be.
1: Yeah. Uh, this is a quote from her. They had every living soul on Exuma who could lift a towel working. And it looked like that. Like there's footage of how many people they had.
2: She's really the only person in the whole documentary that feels like a real human being that was emotionally impacted by this experience.
1: Right. Well, her and they interview that JR guy. Yeah, he seems to
2: be along for the ride. He he seems to not really Yeah, but there is a
1: point where all his the men he brought on to work come to him and are like, Where's the money?
2: Yeah. But again, he was there for the whole fucking thing. Yeah. I don't feel sorry for that guy. Well, no,
1: she was too. Like, everyone was there. Yeah,
2: but she had to... Okay, let's talk about what she had to do. There's a difference here. Yeah. Like, she's the only restaurant on the island and is suddenly inundated with thousands of people that she had to somehow feed. Right. So...
1: And she employs a 10-person staff working around the clock. Yeah. It, with the promise that she they'll had be paid. a business
2: that was almost destroyed by this situation. Right. That guy, Jr. whatever. Well,
1: that guy ended up having to, like, leave. Like, he wasn't even able to stay there because, like— I know, but— He was the guy, like—
2: I feel more sorry for the people that got harangued into working.
1: Well, he's—but that's the thing. He did, too. He was, like, the foreman of that group of construction workers. But
2: he even says in the documentary to Billy, like, he says that he had a moment with Billy— on the beach. And Billy asks him, do you think that we're going to make it? And he's like, I wasn't sure if I was supposed to lie to him or tell him the truth. No, that's
1: that a moment. different guy.
2: Oh, we're talking about two different yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. guy I don't feel sorry for. Then I don't know. Yeah,
1: that talk. guy. Like, he shows up just to say that, that one time. And I feel like they threw okay. it. Then we're
2: just talking about two different guys.
1: I feel like they threw it in there so they could be like, see? Well. This guy whose, name, whose only name is Columbo. That was his name.
2: Yeah, but he was stoked when the model showed up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was really into that yeah. part. But, yeah, Marianne Ruhl, uh Bless her heart. Yeah. That's the point. That's yeah. the point.
1: There's a very sad moment where near she the cries. end. She cries. She cries because she ends up, she paid her workers out of her own savings. savings yeah. Which you probably don't build up 50000 in savings overnight.
2: Uh, no. That would be Living in a tourist town. So Living here. Yeah. $50,000. I see those articles from time to time. Like, you need to have a year's worth of salary in your savings. Yeah. Well, you need to go suck a bag of dicks. Right. I don't see how that's possible.
1: That's so much money to that's... have saved. And good for her and there's no reason she should have been separated from it. No, like not that. not
2: not because of this douche nozzle. And what's even or his stupid team of people.
1: What's even crazier is some of the other people who end up getting stuck with bills at the end of this. It's like people who are working on the app who had nothing to do with it.
2: Yeah, they're out because they put work up front and didn't get paid, and that is the lesson of this whole documentary, by the way.
1: One of them, uh, this kid, I didn't catch his name, but the 23-year-old who they put in charge of booking.
2: Yeah, the guy that looks like he's about to get hit by a bus. Right. Yeah. There is a
1: fantastic scene where he's clearly talking to the agent or manager of one of these bands that they booked, and they're having an argument about the font size that was used to list this band on the flyer. So in the middle of all this other shit... He's getting phone calls like that.
2: Because that's really all his job should be. Right, yeah. That's what the job actually is. That's the glamorous world of the music industry and working in marketing with that stuff. That's, yeah. that's the stuff you're supposed to get yelled at for. Not, and there's no beds.
1: Right. Yeah. And he was kind of the one person on the app side who was also sort of involved in the festival. Right. And, But at this point, they they start talking about how the people working on the app side aren't being paid, Right, one guy gets paid in a bag of cash, Oops. which I'd still be like, well, "This is neat, rubble, rubble." Yeah, I hope it had like, I hope it was like a burlap sack with a dollar sign on the side. Like I'd when the you only way I'd
2: take it. I, if, if it weren't that, I'm sorry, I can't accept it.
1: Uh, firek.com. Important. This is a website that pops up, and basically, the owner of this website starts blackmailing or extorting Billy and telling him he'll take this website down. Which well, this website it's sharing actual pictures
2: well and he's he this website is clearly somebody on the inside because he's right. the the stuff he's sharing is stuff that only like senior leadership knows is going wrong at the, at this point
1: right so they they have like a big al capone meeting where he calls everyone in and is like if you're the rat And he never finds out who it is.
2: In my house! (laughs) Where my wife sleeps! (laughs) where my children play with their toys.
1: Signed, The Watcher. Oh my
2: god, sorry. I just have to sometimes quote the Godfather (laughs) or I just can't stand
1: it. So, uh, basically, this guy, the person running this website is like, we'll take it down if you start sharing actual pictures of the site. And he refuses. So this website stays up. And at that point, Andy King, our beloved Andy. okay. Steps in and is like, Look, Billy, you need to tell people this is not gonna be a luxury festival and then maybe we can pull this off. And Billy refuses. The
2: other thing about Andy King that I like is that he deems himself the Billy Whisperer at one point. Right. I am I wish there was a whole documentary about their relationship because I have to understand more.
1: Yeah, there's some there's an extra layer to it that we're not getting.
2: He dazzled a lot of people, like that woman Colette or Canada or Renata or whatever, that blonde lady that's in the documentary for 30 Oh, yeah, seconds, the
1: investor, yeah. That's
2: like some rich socialite woman that invests yeah. in him. She's another one. Yeah. That just would keep giving money to this guy.
1: So much money. And one of the things they do uh, at one point when they're running out of money to put this on, they start emailing the people who've already paid hundreds of dollars for these tickets. And they start emailing them and go, by the way, this is a cashless event. All your money will be stored on this wristband and most people are putting like 3000 on but you should probably put more if you want to take advantage of everything that'll be happening and they raise $800,000 doing that.
2: Which by the way they don't they haven't tested the wristbands.
1: They haven't tested the wristbands. There's very little internet connectivity down there which is pretty crucial for something like that to work. They were just scamming. The only
2: way it would work.
1: Right. And they they were just scamming kids to get more money to hopefully
2: it's just, it's shocking to me because it's like, again, like I come back to Bernie Madoff. It's not like to me, Bernie Madoff scam had legs for a long time. Right. Because you weren't, they weren't needing that money right away.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: But what was he going to do?
1: I don't know. Like
2: if it makes more sense to me if at the end of the documentary, he just shoots himself on the beach. Like, right. oh, well, that's what he was going to do. Okay. Yeah. But no. He just,
1: he lets people show up, which is insane. Yeah.
2: I don't get how that's possible. Uh,
1: Yeah. It's.
2: Have you ever planned a a big event?
1: Not like a huge event. Because I just
2: planned a Christmas party this year with 300 people.
1: Oh, that sounds like more than I would want to take on.
2: And. Did you
1: do it in the Bahamas?
2: No, I did it at a very high end resort in Newport Beach. Nice. For my job. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, R.I.P. And. It was one of the most stressful experiences of my recent, exi- you know, uh, existence. Right. And that's just people going to a place for several hours. Right. And Where the, person the stress you're... was, gee, I hope they have a good time.
1: Yeah. Like the person you were dealing with, probably if you asked for something, was like, okay, we can do that. It's
2: fine. Yeah. It's yeah. part of reality. But We can access that.
1: These people are building all this shit, while Billy McFarland is just like-
2: like I can't imagine being out. stressed out and hearing people literally hammer planks of wood together the way they are doing in this documentary. Right, and uh, and nobody else is doing anything about it. Which look, this king guy is has some is enraptured by whatever. But then also the event planner guy with the scarf.
1: Oh yeah, he's
2: another one who's like I just really loved his energy. Yeah, there's th- there's something. There's another element to this that's not in this documentary. That's what I'm oh, trying sure. to say. There's yeah. something else here. I don't know if it's Scientology or if it's yeah something. I don't know.
1: Yeah. This is one of my favorite exchanges. Mark Weinstein again. This is this is another quote or another response that should go down in Firefest history. He sends an email.
2: We should make shirts with all of these quotes, by oh, the way. Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. Uh, he sends an email to Billy McFarlane and Grant and all of the people in charge. My voice has fallen on deaf ears, and we are only one day away without the capacity to safely house all of our paid and non-paid customers. We need to cancel more people. I want to paint a picture for you. Of 300 guests landing on a remote island, being herded into eight yellow buses, brought to Rotor's Point, only to realize they have nowhere to sleep and they are trapped here. The response.
2: Mark, they will still see your smiling face and crazy yoga skills. What the fuck?
1: Like, imagine getting, like, his face when he tells this story, he's just like, I still don't know what to say.
2: Yeah, and, yeah.
1: It's... Uh, so they, they can't cancel. I think I
2: would call the police. Yeah. At that point. You would almost. Like, I, I mean, I don't know what the conversation, would is like, you know, 911, what's your emergency? Okay. Uh, <laughs> so it's, first of all, it's not an emergency.
1: Set the scene. Have you seen Jaws Revenge?
2: <laughs> How well read are you? <laughs> because this is a very Lord of the Flies situation.
1: <laughs> and we find out around this time also that they couldn't cancel because they didn't get cancellation insurance. Why would you?
2: because they uh, my theory that will never be proven on this is that we find out later that this is another step in a shell game. Oh yeah. And he was never going to cancel this event. It had to happen on some oh, level. Oh right.
1: Yeah. So we've reached we've reached possibly the most important moment in this story. Andy it's, gets the water.
2: It's which this the story, is- the story, <laughs> I just want to say something. so the story as it goes, you keep waiting for him to say, and then I woke up and realized. That this is not the way this is supposed to go. Or I quit.
1: And just to give a little background, one of the things they failed to take into account when budgeting this was that customs asks for money when you bring things from one country into their country. And they talk about it more in the Hulu documentary, but they had to pay $900,000 in customs fees just to bring the liquor in. Yeah, you have to. And that also happens with the water.
2: That's why it's less expensive to buy it from the country that you're hosting the fucking event at.
1: Right, exactly. And And they have these four 18-wheeler trucks full of Evian water, and Customs won't release it without being paid $175,000. So
2: so plan A.
1: First go-to plan above all other possible strategies. The
2: only plan.
1: Billy calls Andy, and this is a quote, I need you to take one big one for the team. At which point Andy in the documentary very adorably says, "Oh my god, I've been taking one for the team every day. What do you need?" He me also to says, do?
2: "You're our big gay leader." Yes. He calls him his big gay <laughs> Oh, leader. no. Only heightening my suspicions of the origin of their relationship, by the way. Yeah,
1: when I heard that, I was like, "Oh no."
2: to be in love with him.
1: That's what I it think. It has to
2: be an unrequited love.
1: But let's we're jumping ahead just a little. This is the quote. You're
2: right. I did get ahead of myself. <laughs> ahead. <laughs> you know what I mean? that joke is for you. <laughs>
1: for you. It's for you. That was Adam. Good. Like that. This is a quote. If you go down and suck Cunningham's dick, who's the head of customs, and get him to clear all the containers with water, you will save this festival.
2: To which I would say to you we're never talking again. Yes. <laughs> and that's what
1: I expected Andy to say right up to that's, the point. And,
2: and that's the part, right, where you, where you imagine him saying, and that's when I left because right. I knew I had reached some point of no return. He
1: even says, I went home. I took a shower. I, I used mouthwash. And, so and I was like, you must uh, you, have felt you dirty. took
2: some time.
1: Right. You took must have felt really unclean from yeah. even being asked something like that.
2: Uh, no, he just, was going to go suck that I dick. I got in my car. And I drove over there, and I was there to do it.
1: He was going to suck Cunningham's dick
2: and he admits that
1: he admits it and here's where one, I feel like there's something going on with Andy and Billy to that level of dedication
2: that's what I'm saying is I, like it, the, it's got to be love
1: I feel like he has blown Billy at some point
2: well to think that he could ask him to do that right. But then I think about, like, cult leaders and stuff. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes you're so enamored with people. I I, I just, I feel like, I just, I know I'm repeating myself, but there's another layer here. Oh, absolutely. Relationshipness. Yes. That has not been fully explored yet because maybe this would just be too long of a documentary or. Yeah. I don't know. But the kind of person that would ask another person to do that is not a good person
1: no Obviously. no definitely not
2: but just the willingness is so confusing to me to do it for the it.
1: fire festival which everyone knew was gonna fail by this point
2: exactly like
1: it's not like bottled water is what was standing between this thing succeeding or failing no
2: and those beautiful shores don't need more bo- more plastic
1: and here's the question sure do you think he sucked cunningham's dick No, because I feel like that story ends a little too because clearly when they met with Cunningham the first time, Cunningham was like, no, you have to give me this money. And then Andy shows up and he's like, he was nice as could be and just said, I want to be paid first. And it ended there. And it's like, "Mm, okay,
2: this story is so weird that I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that every person that they've put on this documentary from the island has been wonderful. Right. So I don't know that. He might he might have said something to Billy like, sure, if you can get someone here to suck my dick, I'll give you this money. And then a And Billy was like, No problem. Event planner from New York shows up and he's like, Oh man, here (laughs) just take the water. You guys are so fucked anyway, it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah. So everything that they you know, they, they get to the point where it's time the day before the launch and then it rains.
2: Which is bad. It's very bad. Because they have half-made tents and mattresses all over the ground. Right. Which, which first of all, mattresses on the ground. Uh, yeah. Bad,
1: bad, I mean, they were wrapped in plastic, but still.
2: This is why I'm saying these are people that have never done anything for themselves before. Right. Because they don't know the consequences of mattresses on the ground.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's, but they still have people come, even after the rain. You would think after the rain, that would have been such an easy, well, sorry, it rained and it destroyed the area.
2: God gave them an out.
1: Yeah, they had a simple out and they didn't take it. They let people keep coming. And the document, like, I don't think we have time to get through we don't. all of it, but that's where things really get out of hand.
2: Well, that part is kind of not even worth Talking about in my opinion. You well, we can the, skip over it because it's the thing that everybody knows.
1: It's the part everyone knows. Everyone knows what happens when the people cheese sandwich. arrives. That famous cheese sandwich incident. Uh I didn't know about the jet. They were promised private jets, and it ends up being a commercial 737 with a Firefest logo on it, and everyone's just like, in coach.
0: Uh-oh.
1: Pretty great. So I uh, the documentary ends with the basically the aftermath of this.
2: Well, there's a surprise ending in my opinion because the, the doc the, the, Oh so the the festival's over, it's a failure. Right. And there's a like a million different postmortems from different people about it. Right. Then people who are on the Firefest email list start getting addition new emails from this guy Frank. Right. And Frank is promising things like tickets to the Met Gala and front row seats at different sporting Victoria events. Victoria's
1: Secret Fashion Show. Victoria's Secret Two Fashion Two things sh- you cannot buy tickets for. You
2: cannot buy tickets for those things. No. So this person who starts to kind of understand that you can't access this kind of stuff, and this is clearly a scam, starts to do some digging, cross-references other people on the festival, realizes that, okay, this is the same population of people being targeted.
1: Right. It's the Fire Festival email list.
2: And then we find out that Billy McFarlane out on bail is running another like this is more like a Siberian yeah. like male. This order. is just
1: straight up fraud. This is
2: just a scam.
1: And that's why, like, seeing that part, I don't like this guy, you're not gonna rehabilitate this guy. He's gonna get out of prison and run another scam. Like that's exactly he's he, he, got, he ends up getting sentenced to six years.
2: Yeah. Honestly, Jordan Belfort is more of a of a honest person than this guy is. Yeah. Yeah. By a lot. Yeah.
1: And it uh, there's so much more to the documentary. Like the 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 stuff that happens after they leave the island. That's where we hear about the workers not being paid, Marianne Roll not being paid, who has at least her GoFundMe is yeah. working out. Finally. Yeah. But yeah, the even though we all know everything about what happened there, it's still worth going back and watching just to see the well, yeah, I mean, the it's... footage in the chaos in person.
2: And, and they do a really good job of uh, articulating how things broke down in real time, which right. I was very interested to see.
1: And I was surprised how much sympathy I felt for those social media influencers because at the end of the day,
2: no, I agree,
1: they were just doing their job. Like that's what they do. I promote
2: shit all the time. Yeah. Show, I mean, obviously, I'm and they mean- were
1: promised this thing, and they were really good sports about it right up to the point where they hit the tents and see all these tents and they're like all right this is a fucking nightmare but before that on the jet they were just like well this isn't what we thought but like they were victims too like it made me feel legitimately bad
2: oh i agree for them also i completely agree i mean this guy took down so many different people in so many different ways professionally and personally yeah um i mean obviously the breakout store star is andy king though
1: right i mean (laughs) breakout star andy King
2: just the most interesting person. And I I feel like the Netflix people agree with me because he's very prominent in the documentary.
1: Yeah. And there there's one more exchange I want to touch on before we get out of here. I'll run through it really quick. And that is yeah. the meeting with the developers of the app at the end of the documentary. Oh, it is so painful. Brutal because Billy is trying to get them to keep working on it and I didn't write the girl's name down, but she's great. He was like, well, can we just, like, can you keep working on it while we step back? She was like, absolutely not. You have to rebrand this right now?
2: Well, yeah, so this this meeting is fascinating because you can see Billy and Ja Rule trying to pretend that, that Fire, uh, sorry, the Fire app is still salvageable.
1: And that the the Fire brand yeah. is still a thing people yeah, will respect. Yeah, they keep respect. trying to, like,
2: align it with things like the Samsung phones that kept exploding, which is, like, a completely different...
1: This is Ja Rule's quote on that. Samsung is out here blowing people's faces off with cell phones, but they're still selling cell phones.
2: And the fact that he can't see the difference is very confusing. <laughs> they have to such
1: me. a long history of selling phones that don't explode. You sold one music festival that it, did explode. It exploded. Yeah.
2: Shark infested waters. If you come out of the gate exploding, yeah, it doesn't... you're going to
1: have a tough time getting off <laughs> no, the ground. It's like
2: you've never seen a single Wile E. Coyote cartoon. Um, but it's interesting because you could see these people trying to manipulate this team one more time. And all of them are—one of them says, my orthodontist knows about this. (laughs) Such a great line. And then ultimately, Billy has an all-hands meeting, gets everybody on the phone, and says, I just want you guys to know that we will be continuing business as usual. However, payroll will stop.
1: Right. There's no payroll. And
2: our girl, who's amazing, comes back and says, so what you're telling me is you're not firing us. You're just allowing us to leave. But because you're not firing us, we can't file for unemployment.
1: And his words— uh, I'm not sure how it uh, impacts unemployment status. It's like shut the fuck up. Unreal. Like what a fucking monster. I had somebody
2: do that to me once. That, that is same shitty. Startup thing. Yeah. Yep. Startups, baby.
1: Yeah. It, so it's a it's a fucking nightmare. But they they end up talking to the FBI and Billy is in prison. Like he's in prison right yeah. now. I believe.
2: He should be forever.
1: Yeah. He should have gotten more than six years.
2: Yeah, I mean, if someone had died, it would have been... Yeah. Because that could have happened, for sure. And
1: even more uh, on the app side of things, we find out at the end, M. David got sued for one of Billy's outstanding American Express bills, because he was the next in line on the app side at the company.
2: Ja Rule? Ja Rule's fine. Ja Rule's fine. What's Ja Rule doing?
1: Uh, He is tweeting.
2: He's also developing this... Oh, that's right. He's developing this app where you can uh, book... Talent. Talent. It's called Icon. Weird.
1: Weird. Yeah. Huh. I wonder how he got into I that. Don't know. hustle.
2: I don't know.
1: So that's the episode. Go out and watch the. Do- I would actually.
2: I would go be a legend. Watch the documentary and watch the Hulu one too. I'm going to. Yeah,
1: watch them both. The Hulu one is good if nothing else for the interviews with Billy McFarland.
2: I just didn't have time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just. Uh, and the
1: Netflix one I think is the better of the two.
2: It's so well done. Yeah. <sighs> so
1: we made it. We made it. So anyway, Anna Nicole Smith.
2: God damn it!
1: She signs with Guess. Oh. And uh, I just have like eleven to eleven. I have forty-five more minutes on that, and then we're going to get out of here.
2: Yeah, I I did notice that you've got sixty-seven pages of notes today.
1: Yeah, I did. I did really go all out. I I had thirteen pages of notes. That's a lot.
2: I'm I'm getting a little nervous about the (laughs) way our note taking has expanded.
1: So, what do we have to plug before we get out of here? Last Saturday of every month, Hollywood Hotel, nine p.m. Come to the Unpop stand-up show.
2: White wine, true crime. You can find us all over the place, Uh, and we will be in Portland at the Listen Up Portland Podcast Festival. It's going to be fucking rad. We're going to be at Cooper's Hall on Saturday, February sixteenth at six thirty, and we're going to. Carrie and I are going to be recording live, baby. It's going to be fun.
1: Very nice. All right, let's get out of here. Caitlin, say goodbye.
2: Uh, goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. Thank you, Cleveland.
1: Berr, berr, berr.